0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Hallelujah, so excited to continue on our series on the book of John, series titled The Exalted Christ. We don't have a lot of time and um, this is not an easy uh, passage of scripture to really unpack, so I wanna get to this very, very quickly today. And the title of the message today is Spiritual Conflict. John chapter seven, as you're turning there, is all about spiritual conflict. Now, spiritual conflict is something that actually happens every day. It's something that happens very often, but if we're not careful, if we're not sensitive, if I could put it that way, if we're not sensitive, we'll miss it, you see? And today's passage of scripture will give us a front row seat to what happened in the past, but is incredibly true in the present, in the here and the now. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And what you, we're going to read today in John chapter seven is that wherever Jesus went, he caused spiritual conflict. Now we all are familiar with conflict but this is not general, earthly, worldly conflict. This is spiritual conflict. It looks, it looks like normal, natural, but it really isn't. What, is, what we're about to look at is a very spiritual thing that is happening, and quite frankly, it happens all the time. And before I get into this, can I, can I say that what we're talking about today, in a way, and I was praying about this this week, What we're talking about today in a way is very, um, it's crucial to the kind of church and the kind of people that we're going to be. I believe that the issue we're going to be addressing today, the issue of spiritual conflict, it separates one type of church. From another, and it has nothing to do with denomination. It has nothing to do with whether it's a, a, a Latino church, African American church, a mixed church, whatever. This, what we're talking about, is spiritual. All right. So we're going to read uh, very quickly here, and then we're going to start to unpack this. Okay, so let's go ahead. And by the way, these are we're going to sort of survey the chapter. The chapter is about 52 verses. And because of time, we're just kind of breaking it up for you. But you have some homework. You ready for your homework? Go home and read John chapter 7 in its entirety. Amen. amen. Say amen. 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 So that means you're going to do it. Amen. So be it. That's what amen means, right? So be it. So Okay, but let's, we, we've, we've kind of broken up the chapter. We even have um, headings so you could see who the conflict was. This was conflict with family. After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. Conflict. The Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, so his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see Your works that you are doing. Now I'm going to pause there and point out that they were about to celebrate the Jewish Festival of Tabernacles. Very important to understanding this passage of scripture. The Festival of Tabernacles was a celebration and a remembrance of how God provided for them when they lived in the desert in tents. Their little tabernacles. And then there was the great tabernacle that they built and that they worshiped God. They all, all of Israel was positioned around the tabernacle in the desert. And listen, they were in there for 40 years, and every day they ate, every day they drank, every day he took care of them. Their sandals didn't wear out. Children were born. Family lives unfolded, and God was faithful day after day after day. And so they were celebrating. How many would agree we should remember and and celebrate the great provision of God? And in a sense, that's what they were doing. They were looking back and saying, man, those were tough times where God was faithful. Even in the desert, he took care of us. You You ever get a good car and you remember like your old junky car? You're like, thank you, Lord. You know? And if you got a junky car, don't worry, God is faithful. He can help us get a good car. Amen. We're not talking about cars right now, so let's. let's. So, but this was conflict with his family, but it's important for us to understand you, this will mean more towards the end of, this, of the message that they were actually celebrating the faithfulness of God, supposedly. Okay? So, so his brother said, Leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see your works that you are doing, for no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. Jesus didn't need to seek public recognition because he was the King of glory, you see? He was the Son of God. He says, if you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed him. This was conflict, but it was spiritual conflict. This was more than family conflict, this was spiritual conflict. Jesus told them, "My time is not yet come, yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it that its deeds are evil." Spiritual conflict. You see? Go up to the festival yourselves. I'm not going up to the festival yet because my time has not yet come. Now listen, I recently heard someone who was reading this passage. And, the, and right after this, Jesus actually does go. Okay. And some people say, oh, Jesus wasn't honest here. Well, just for a point of clarification, there are two words for time in the Greek. There's chronos and kairos. He used uniquely, he used the word kairos. And when he said my time has not yet come, what he meant was this is not the best opportunity for what I want to do and accomplish. Wow. That's what that means. So even though he goes afterwards, he was saying, I'm gonna go on my own terms and I'm going to reveal myself at the best opportunity. I know what that is, you don't. How many know God knows better than we do? I'm gonna say amen. But I don't want anyone to read and think that Jesus wasn't being honest. No, he was being actually abundantly clear, okay? So this was the first conflict, let's keep going. Then he has conflict with the crowds, they were a mixed crowd. And like I said, this is just a survey so you could see the back and forth. Verse 12, they were saying he's deceiving the people. This is what they said about Jesus, okay? Verse 15, they said, how does he know the scriptures since he hasn't even been trained? Where does this guy come from basically? Right? Some people went on to say, you have a demon. They said that to the son of God. Okay. Verse 27, we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, nobody will know where he is from. Verse 28, you know me and you know where I am from, yet I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. You don't know him, I know him because I am from him. And he sent me a little more now. Okay, next, a little more. Then even with the religious establishment, okay, this chapter says down in verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. So So the chief priests and Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. Spiritual conflict at every level is what's taking place in this passage of scripture. Let's go on a little bit more. Now here's just, when we get to the end of this, I need to say everything up front because of time. I want you to know we're gonna come back to this. This is the solution to spiritual conflict. It says, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, are you thirsty today? If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me As the scripture has said, we'll have streams of living water flow from deep within. He said this about the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this was talking about the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, then the spirit was going to come down in power upon the church as it did in the book of Acts. Okay, so hopefully we understand all of this. And this is talking about spiritual conflict about the fact that whenever we experience Jesus, whenever we experience Jesus, we find him doing a couple of things. Could you put that slide up and we're going to pray in a moment? Whenever we experience Jesus, we find him either challenging us or supporting us, disturbing us or comforting us, exposing us or covering us, opposing us or leading us. Before we pray, I want you to drink that in. Every time Jesus walked into the room, any place, It happened back then and it happens now. Maybe you don't recognize it, but that's the whole point of the message. Every time the presence of Jesus comes, one of two things is happening. He's either challenging or supporting, disturbing or comforting, exposing or covering, opposing or leading. And it all depends, it all depends on how we respond to the challenge of God. So let me let me just pray right now. Father, would you give us ears to hear? Would you help us, Lord, to understand when you're speaking and when you're challenging us? God, could you by your mighty power, Lord? By your mighty power. Lord, would you take the next few moments and make them deeply and profoundly personal and spiritual? Lord, we don't want to just have this be another day that we went to church. We want this to be a day when we encountered and experienced your presence and person and power. So Lord, would you bless this word? Would you bless our time? Father God, would you bless our time together? Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Blessed be the word of God. So whenever we experience Jesus, we find him doing one of two things. And when you you think about the book of John, here's what God wants to do. The main verse of the book of John is found in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written that you may believe. Everyone say believe. believe. Faith, faith that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God that they just sang about and that by believing, you may have everyone life. Life comes by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, real faith, real life, the abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and life to the full. Life to the full comes through Jesus, but it all depends on how we respond to Jesus. You see? Look at what he said in another place. Okay, if we respond to him correctly, he said, I'm the way, the truth, everyone, and the life. But watch, no one comes to the Father except through me. It all depends on how you respond to Jesus. So here's what Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to teach us that he challenges us to align us. He challenges us to align us. He wants to align us with himself. Amen. How many know he doesn't need us, but we really do need him? How many would say amen? We need the Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but Jesus comes, and when he comes upon the scene, his holy presence and personality, it comes upon the scene, and whether you realize it or not, There is a challenge and a conflict that ensues in the inner heart. And that is what was happening all over this chapter is that there was a spiritual conflict taking place. So I want to unpack that conflict for us. It was a challenge. You know, there's something about the presence of God. The presence of God comes and you you feel like, wow, the Lord is here. You know what I'm talking about? You see? But not everyone goes, oh, snap, the Lord is here. Some people go, oh, I don't want him. You see? So I need to do this quickly, but please listen. We don't want a big, big crowd of people that are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We want people who are sensitive. How many want to be sensitive to God? How many would say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's, let's walk through this very, very quickly. How does he challenge us? First of all, he challenges us, he challenges us by challenging our inner being. He challenges us by challenging our inner being. Look what he said, he said, the world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that his deeds are evil. So what happens is, is the Lord comes at times, and when he comes, his holiness rebukes our unholiness. You ever have that happen? You ever hear something or, or, or see something, something to do with God or someone godly walks in the room and they start talking? And like I remember I went to Bible school and there was a, 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 a teacher who was actually kind of sickly, but he was such a man of God. And there was something, I knew this man spent time in the presence of God. And there was something, especially when I first got to school, I would look at him and the minute I would just look in his eyes, I would be like, oh, snap, I'm I'm, I'm a mess, man. Jesus, I need you. Just looking at, he was so godly that the presence of Jesus on him would just rebuke me. You know, there was something about that man. I was like, that's a real man of God. I'm in Bible school. I'm a fake man of God. That's a real man of God. Real fake. You see. Because that's what Jesus does is He challenges us in the inside. The true presence of Jesus listen, consists of His personality, His presence and his authority. The personality of Jesus requires relationship. What that means is if you just come to church and then you leave church, but you don't really have a relationship with Jesus, that doesn't cut it with him. You see, and that's why if you are not comfortable with a personal relationship with God, that feeling of discomfort, that feeling of, you know what, I'm not exactly right with God, that is by design because he says, I wanna comfort you, I wanna guide you, I wanna lead you, I wanna support you, but you've gotta, you've gotta have a relationship with me. He's not interested in us doing religious things and showing up for, for an hour and seven minutes or whatever it is. How many know Jesus is a person? He's a real person. You see, and a lot of people, they know Jesus as the church. If you're one of those people you know, the church and the church, the church, no, Jesus is bigger than the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Hallelujah. Jesus is the Lord of the church. And that's why he comes on in and he is a personality. You know, he's a personality that requires relationship, you know? Sometimes people say, you know, I'm really, I'm really kind of, I wanna like, like be with God's people and I wanna, you know, do good things and get involved. You know, it's good for me. No, 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 you need the person of Jesus. All of that stuff is nothing if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You see, so he's a personality that requires relationship. Secondly, he's a presence that requires honor. When you come to the Lord's house, you're coming to a place where God should be honored. You see, and so that's why we challenge you to worship God, but from a position of honor, not a position of culture. Some people learn how to scream and shout in their culture. I'm not talking about that. Some people, they, they come to church and they just waiting. When you, you have your hands in your pocket and you're chewing gum doing worship, would you do that if the, if the president, if, if, uh, if depending on which president you like nowadays, listen, President Obama, President Trump, right? If you're in the room with them, are you going to have your hands in your pocket and chewing gum like you're on the baseball field and, you know, I mean, that would be a dishonorable thing, right? But we come to the Lord's house and we're like this and we're sleeping, we're sending text messages. He is the king of glory and he requires honor. But see, so we say, lift your hands, worship. And you're like, man, these people, nobody telling me what to do. You're not realizing the Lord is challenging you. You're not realizing that the Lord is challenging you. You want to stand in the face of God and say, I don't have to worship you? Knock yourself out. I don't think that's a wise way to go. How many think that's not the wisest way to go? When the Cubs won the World Series, you could hear them go Cubs go for about five miles. How many of them should hear us for 10,000 miles from this place? How many would say amen? Hallelujah. So, presence requires honor. Presence requires honor. This is such a big deal, okay? Do you honor the Lord? Because presence requires honor. When you get up in the morning tomorrow, remember presence requires honor. Then here's the last thing. The true presence of Jesus consists, not just personality and presence, but also authority. You see, and his authority requires submission and obedience. The brothers didn't want that Jesus to be telling them what to do, but they, they, they didn't get it. I don't know how they couldn't get it. He fed the 5,000, he healed the sick. He was raising dead, he was doing all sorts of miracles. They couldn't do that. You see, but they didn't want to. But here's the reality, okay? Jesus was the exalted Christ. Jesus was the King of glory. And what that means is, is the son of the most high God, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, what he says is true and what he says goes. We don't care what the world says, the opinions of the institutions, the opinions of the government, all are secondary. All are secondary to the word of God. And how many know what the Bible says is true, is true. And as the people of God, we say, yes, Lord, we submit to it. We obey it, O oh God. And so what does that mean? It's saying, well, you know, I'm living with my boyfriend. Well, you shouldn't be living with your boyfriend. You know? So listen, all the time, all the time, we have membership class. People come to membership class and sometimes they're living together. We don't get angry. We don't get angry because that would be Ridiculous. Like, we all come from the same cesspool of sins. No one is righteous, not even one. Listen, pick the worst sinner you ever saw, and just know if God doesn't accept Him, God won't accept you either. Amen? Amen. How many are thankful that He washes us with His powerful blood? Hallelujah. But, but remember, He's Lord. I believe in Jesus. I know you believe in Jesus. But but the Bible says the devil, the demons believe in him and tremble. But is he Lord? You see? And if he's not, and right now, like you might be going. (laughs) Right? You know what that is? That's the challenge. You see? It's a challenge. The older term for this is the conviction of sin. You see, I'm praying that God would be, help us to be the kind of people, the kind of church that still gets convicted by the Holy Spirit. That we get convicted. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews very quickly. Hebrews 3, 7 says, so as the Holy Spirit t- says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It's not that he can't forgive. It's not that he can't forget. It's not that he can't transform. It's not that he can't pull you out of the hole. It's not that he can't turn the thing around. It's that our hearts get hard and we say no when he says yes. Conviction. The preacher's preaching, I don't like what he's saying. It's not what the preacher's saying. It's what God is saying through the preacher. You see? Conviction of sin. Conviction is when, is, you know, conviction is when the Spirit of God pierces through all of the issues, all of the, all of the excuses, all of the personality. Sometimes you're in a room and, and something has happened and the Holy Spirit is now. Like you're having conversations, but the Holy Spirit is having a different conversation with you. Because you feel that. <sighs> pierced in your heart. And let me tell you something. What is the word of the Lord today? When your heart gets pierced, don't make light of it. <laughs> There's a time to laugh. That's not no laughing matter. Okay? Don't laugh about it. Don't, don't, don't say, no, I, I want what I want. It is a foolish thing to reject the tender, gracious, powerful, transforming hand of the Lord. And you might be here today and you don't realize that he challenges us because he wants to align us. When he aligns us, Then the blessing comes. We'll get to that in one moment. I got to move quickly. But this is not something we talk about often, but this is a classic example. All of these people around Jesus, he's convicting them of their sin. He's kind of addressing their inner being. And they're like, who are you? And we look at the Bible and listen, we look at the Bible and say, man, I can't believe they did that. And meanwhile, we do the same exact thing. Because maybe even this past week you had a moment where the Spirit said, don't do that. Don't do that, don't do that. And some people actually even their consciences after a while, their consciences, they, 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 their consciences get seared. You, look at what the Bible says. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a, read these two words with me, guilty conscience. A guilty conscience can be a blessing to you. God doesn't want you to live with guilt and shame. But a moment of guilt is really good for the soul. You see, and if you can never be guilty, if nothing is wrong, then you got problems because you're rejecting the voice of God. How I many know some things are wrong? Can I get that? So, will somebody please agree that some things are wrong? Amen. Amen? It's so crazy what's going on in our culture. And this one gets to one week George Clooney says this is wrong, the next week he says it's right. And it's and everybody says, yes, whatever, whoever, Oprah, whatever. I don't know, I'm just making stuff up, you know. Making up names. So but no, there is a voice. And that voice doesn't come through the newspaper, doesn't come through your phone. Jesus, the Spirit of God, pierces. You see? And when we say yes, then he cleanses our guilty conscience. You see, you don't have to walk in guilt and shame. Now here's the second, here's the next thing very quickly. Jesus challenges our religiosity. I'm using that word um, on purpose, religiosity, okay? Look at what he said to them. He said, I did one work and you're all amazed. And are you angry at me because I made a man entirely well on the Sabbath? So the Sabbath was don't do work. That was the rules and the regulations. But now, and Jesus challenged him. He said, you mean to tell me if your donkey fell in a hole on the Sabbath, you wouldn't pull him out? Of course you would pull him out. That would not make sense. You think God doesn't want you to pull your donkey out of the hole because it's the Sabbath? That's a ridiculous rule. Well, I just made a man well. And you're talking about rules and regulations. And I'm the king of glory in your presence. Now, here's what that really means. What it means is that just the way they were celebrating the faithfulness of God in the past, religiously, they couldn't celebrate the presence of God in the present, worshipfully. You see? So, some people, they like tradition, they like to talk about the past. But when Jesus is right in their presence, they don't know how to bow. They don't know how to clap. They don't know how to sing. They don't know how to surrender. They don't know how to say, Jesus, I love you and I thank you and I give you all the credit. They don't know how to give offerings. They can do the church thing. They can do the religious thing. I'm telling you right now, you're in this building, but you can be in this building with the wrong heart and miss it. You can miss it. You can be religious, but not worshipful. What are they celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles for? The King of the Tabernacle was right there in the here and now, and they're fighting against him. If they were being, look, they were moving, they were actually building little tents and going in the little tents to symbolize to everyone what God had done. Well, listen, they didn't even have to do that because Jesus was right there. How many know they should have been on their knees worshiping him and praising him and giving him glory? So I think about, I think about when you go home today, I think about tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to open your Bible. I want to read this to you. Listen, there was this famous composer. There was a famous composer named Felix Mendelssohn, a German composer. Listen, one day he went to a cathedral in Europe. They had just bought a new organ. The guy who took care of the organ didn't recognize the talented musician, Mendelssohn said, Sir, may I please play this organ? The caretaker of the organ said, Oh no, this is a brand new organ. We can't just allow anyone to play it. Mendelssohn asked again, Please, sir, let me play the organ. I'm so sorry, you don't understand. This is a million dollar organ. We can't let you play this organ. The composer tried yet again, Please, please let me play. To get rid of the visitor, the man said, okay, here, you can play for just a minute. Mendelssohn sat down and started playing music like the man had never heard, started coming through the pipes of this organ. He had never, ever heard such harmonious sounds in his life. He said, mister, who are you? Mendelssohn introduced himself. The man just stared at him with his mouth open, now recognizing who stood in front of him. He felt embarrassed to think that he had been foolish enough to forbid Mendelssohn to play the organ. He just didn't realize who was in his cathedral. When you wake up in the morning tomorrow and you open the Bible, the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you recognize who's in the cathedral? When you walked in the building today, how many know Jesus, the King of glory, is here? Come on, let's put our hands together for the King of glory right now. Hallelujah, we praise you. We praise you. Come on, let's praise the Lord just for a minute. Hallelujah, we praise you, Lord Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to your name, oh God. Thank you for your never-ending love, oh God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now listen, we don't have a lot of time, so I need to say this quickly. How does Jesus solve this? He challenges their religiosity. He challenges them in the inner being. And here's one of my big prayers, one of my big prayers is that the next time for here's, here's a classic example. So we have a somebody told me this yesterday. So we have a a couple that's about to get married and they were talking about a situation and they were on opposite sides of the fence on it. So they said, You know what? Let's go and pray. When they went to pray, uh the man went and prayed and got along with God and said, God, I want to be a good leader. You know the prayers that are uh, a godly man should pray. And he says, speak to me, Lord. And God gives him a Bible verse. And so he hears from God. He calls her on the phone. It's like 10 o'clock at night. He called her. She didn't pick up. He called her. She didn't pick up. He's like, good gracious, why did not you picking up? Well, she was sleeping. (laughs) But you know what? She had already read. And the Lord spoke to her and gave her a verse, too. So when he speaks to her in the morning, he says, hey, guess what? I I feel like I heard from the Lord on this. Here's the verse he gave me. And the verse that he gave him, he gave the same exact verse to her. How many know the Lord still speaks in power? I heard this yesterday. What am I trying to say by this? What I'm trying to say is that Jesus is real. And if we stop saying no to him, we will hear him. He will lead us. He will speak to us. And look at how Jesus, all of this conflict, and here's what he says. On the last day, last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. Are you thirsty today? Do you want something more than this life can offer? Do you want something deeper, richer, better in this, like a deep longing in your soul? There is a place to have that thirst satisfied. You see? But it's a person. It's a presence. It's an authority. It's not religion. You see? So he says, the one who believes in me... As the scripture has said, we'll have streams of living water flow from deep within. In other words, he challenges us, okay, because he wants to align us. And when he aligns us, the support of Christ begins to come to our lives through the flow of the Spirit. How many want the flow of the Spirit in your life? Can I get an amen? So listen, the flow of the spirit is like a wonderful stream. The flow of the spirit is like living water. The flow of the spirit is from deep within. Everyone say deep within. You know, Christianity primarily is is deep within. You see? So when you pray in faith from deep within, He says, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. You see, Christianity, Christianity is a faith that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. How many know the Spirit is powerful? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how do we describe this power? Let me give you a quick quick example, then we'll close. This is a just, how do we describe the power, the flow of the spirit? So this is the sun. I just, we got this from National Geographic this week. Look, here's, this is a fact, all right? Every hour, the sun beams enough power onto the earth to satisfy global energy needs for an entire year. That means that in one hour, God could play could pay for all of our power bills. Gas, electricity, the whole deal. Right? One hour he can pay for it in all the year. How many know that's some power right there? How many would say that's power? We haven't been able to harness it. This power has been available for all time. This, from the beginning of time, should I say. This power was available from the beginning of time. We haven't been able to harness it even with solar power. Solar power only scratches the surface of being able to tap into this, this great power. But this is a great power. And guess what? The spirit of God is the power that made this power. You see? Listen. The spirit of God is the power that made all powers. And it is that power that we have access to. So you might say, but you don't understand how jacked up my marriage is. Let me tell you something. There is a power that can fix a, fix a, a jacked up marriage. How many would say amen? You see... Maybe you have a jacked up mind. Maybe your mind is twisted and maybe you're in depression or in confusion. Or, or maybe you're battling with dis, uh, uh, addiction or, or whatever it is. Whatever you're going through. When the challenge of the Spirit comes, if we'll just turn and say, yes, Lord, have your way. How many know the Spirit can flow like a stream of living water and give us life and life to the full? Amen. Hallelujah, let's lift our hands to him. We worship you. Come on, let's ask for the flow of the spirit. Maybe you've never done this before, but ask for the flow. God, we need the flow of the spirit in this place, at our church, in our hearts and in our lives. God, we invite you to come today. We want the flow, we want the power, we want the transformation, God. God, you poured out your spirit upon the church. Would you pour out your spirit upon your people, oh God? God, begin with us, Lord. Tell the Lord, begin with me, I want the flow. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord! spirit Lord we want more of your spirit oh God I want us to pray for the spirit in a moment but I want you to put your hand on your heart and I want to pray that we would be sensitive to the challenge to the conviction of the spirit No matter who says it, no matter where it comes from, it could be your wife, it could be your husband, it could be your father, and wherever it comes from, it could be a friend. Whenever the Lord is speaking, Father, make us sensitive, oh God. God, help us to respond correctly to every single challenge of the Holy Spirit, oh God. Lord, we ask that you would help us to never resist you if they miss you then we can miss you but we're asking help us not to miss you God as the week unfolds Lord should you tarry we don't want to miss you this week we want to be led by you we want to follow you and we know that we need the flow of the spirit oh God So could you take take the hand of someone next to you right now, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray a parting prayer, and here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that the living water would flow in their hearts and in their lives. Come on, the power of Jesus, let it be released among us. Release your power in our lives, oh God. Release your power in our hearts, oh God. We pray for living waters, oh God. We pray for the deep satisfaction of drinking, oh God, from you living waters, streams of living water deep within, oh God. Release your power. Release your spirit, O oh God. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want the fruit of the Spirit. We want the power of the Holy Spirit, O oh God. Every person, every member of the body of Christ, Lord, we want the Holy Spirit, O oh God. Father, I pray that as we leave one another, I pray that we would all remember that you never leave us. And I pray that on this day, on this Lord's day, I pray that you would help every single one of us to just steal away a few moments to be with you and to recognize who is in the temple and who is present, and God, we wanna honor you, we wanna to submit to you, we wanna celebrate you, we wanna to talk to you, we want a relationship with you. Have your way, Lord, in every life, in every heart. Let our marriages, let our homes, let our, our jobs, Lord, let it all be shaped by the flow of the Spirit, O oh God. Let all of our conversations be influenced by the flow of the Spirit, all of our choices, all of our deeds, oh God. We want the flow of the Spirit and we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Could we give God a hand of praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Greet one another before you go, God bless you. We hope to see you on Tuesday, God bless you everyone.